Well, good morning, ladies. I am so excited to be with you this morning. I um, Unfortunately, I missed last week and Rhonda's excellent teaching. Uh, I was in California, you know, what, what, yeah. Not to, don't feel sorry for me. Um, but I was there and I was able to go online, which I wanted to encourage you and let you all know at the bottom of your notes page is where you can, if you happen to miss a lecture or if you would like to uh, just follow up, you're welcome to listen there and I would encourage you to do that. Very, very helpful. And again, uh, as Rhonda mentioned last week, if you happen to miss, come back. It's all right if we miss a week and we'll be welcoming you. Your groups will be so glad to have you join. Uh, us from week to week. So what I would like to start with here first is just a, <laughs> a prayer. Why don't you join me? Our great God and Father, we just praise your holy name. We are grateful for this day, for this time to be able to study your word. Thank you for the sunshine outside. And I just pray that each woman here would be able to hear what you have to say to them. Would you please speak to us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, you had a great overview, wouldn't you say, of the book of Ruth. Some great teaching about the time of the judges and, and what, we will be see, what we will see coming in the future. And I just am so excited to get into this book. So much to learn. As we were looking at what we are going to cover today, I really appreciated um, the fact that some instruction on why we are coming to study God's Word. We are coming to know God because in knowing Him, we love Him. And in loving Him, we want to obey Him and serve Him. And in that, we become more like Christ. That's why we're here. And so this morning, we want to look into his word and to say, Lord, what will you teach me today? What will I know about you today that will awaken my heart and stir my heart to love you even more? Today we started and we covered two verses of the book of Ruth. Two. What are we going to find there? Well, let's see. The two verses that we covered, Ruth one, now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathitus of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab, Moab and remained there. So in these two verses, we know a time in which they lived. They had a great famine, a big deal, something big happened, major in their life, and we had a big move, sojourning, moving from their homeland to somewhere else. Those are kind of big events in two verses. And we are starting 
And as we want to know and love and obey God and become more like Christ in the time in which they lived, and I, as you remember, the time of Judges pretty much summed up that everyone did according to what they saw was right. Sounds a lot like what we're living in today, don't you think? And it just made me think, these were people, the Israelites, these were God's people, and they were grounded in who he was. We're gonna talk about that in just a little bit. But they were grounded in who he was. They knew him. So what happened? Were they forgetting him? All he had done for them? And it made me think, are we forgetting him? How are we going to live in this do-as-you-please world? You and I. How are we going to do that? Do we want that to be said of us? That they did whatever was right in their own eyes. No, we want to do what is right in the Lord's eyes. In the Lord's eyes, what he has to say. This verse in Ezekiel just, um, just really was a different way to sum this up. In Ezekiel 18, 29 through 31, says this. But the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not right. And this is the Lord replying, are my ways not right, O house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are not right? You and me, friends, are we saying, Lord, your ways just don't seem right. And he is saying, is it not your ways that are not right? We know that the, the way of the Lord is for our good. He also is encouraging here in Ezekiel. He is saying, repent, turn away from your transgressions so that your iniquity or your sin may not become a stumbling block for you. Have we ever viewed it that way? Have we ever viewed our, our living apart from God's word as something that we stumble over? That causes us to, to stumble and fall? Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and make yourselves or get, receive a new heart and a new spirit. This is God, ladies. God wants something new for us. He doesn't want us to be trapped in the ways of what we think is right. You and me, just, just so we need to know, our thinking is not on his level. We don't have it all together. We don't know what's going to happen. We, we don't have that same perspective. We want to trust the one who does. We want to know him. And in these verses, one of the things I just love that I like to know about him, that I want you to know about him, is that his desire is that we have a new heart and a new spirit that, that is in, just entrenched with his. This is how we live, not according to our own way, but according to him. God is imploring with them, follow me, my ways are best. 
So how do we do that in our day-to-day world here? How do we do that? Proverbs. Now, there are a lot of verses, ladies, in the Bible that give us great instruction on how to live for our great God. So I just want you to know that I, I just chose a few because we could be here all morning just on this one. So we're just going to sit here, and I just, I just wanted to, to bring a couple of things to your mind, to my mind. Proverbs 14, 26, and 27. Proverbs 14, 26, and 27. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. What is that? Does that mean we're just cowering on the ground, terrified? This fear of the Lord encompasses a reverence for, an awe, a great awe for who God is, we remember it's this overwhelming insight into his glory and his majesty and his holiness, a weightiness, a weightiness of the fact that it is God, God, who we are talking about. It is God in which we have our strong confidence we need to be taken back to who we're talking about. God the creator, God the most powerful, God who knows all. Ladies, we are not being in awe of just a person. We are not being in awe of someone who is fallible or deceitful. We have a great reverence and an awe for God the holy, majestic one who loves you and who loves me. And as we look at this, it just made me think, here it is, the fear of the Lord, this awe, this reverence, this, this he, it, Lord, you are there and I am here. Lo, you are high brings a strong confidence when we remember who we are in awe and reverence of. And I love this verse as it says, and his children or her children will have a refuge. You know what a refuge is? Our confidence, ladies, in our great God provides security, somewhere to run to for our children, but not just for our children for us, for those around us, as we stand firm on the truth and the promises that we know about God. There's a security, a refuge there. This picture just made me think of something strong and mighty that our children can run into. One of the verses in Psalms says, the Lord is our refuge, a safe place that we could run to and we are safe. 
I picture running behind this great wall, being behind it, and we're covered by the Lord. He is our refuge, and in him we are safe and secure. And that is our confidence. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. A fountain of life. Sometimes in this world in which we live, do we feel dry, cracked, barren? But the awe and reverence, remembering who it is that we worship, who is in control, it's like a fountain of life to our soul. Water that, that just cleanses us, that refreshes, that restores, that gives life. This is our great God who we are firm in. This is what I pray that we know about. This is what I am hoping will move our hearts and our souls to love him more as we know him more. I was encouraged as thinking about the people of Israel and what they knew about their great God. And I went over to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 25. It's kind of where I sat in the big chunk. But all through that, even before Deuteronomy 6, all through this, Moses is telling the people of Israel who had come out of the promised land, I mean, come out of um, Egypt. They had been rescued from Egypt. And they're going to go into the promised land that God is giving them. And Moses has a lot of words for the people, encouragements for them to know God more and to remember who brought them out. Deuteronomy 6. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and daughters. All these words that he was, he was telling them and what he was saying was that these words are to be on their heart. If something is on your heart, it is just not on a checklist. It is just not in your mind, right? What did he want them to know? He wanted them, this is how you are to live in a world that is not seeking what God is seeking. This is how you are to live in a world where everyone is going their own way. This is God's way. Teach these diligently. These words of mine, these words of mine that are, that he wants you to remember Verse 31 of chapter 4 says, and you could just jot these little things down of this is who God is. This is broadening your picture to know him better. The Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail nor destroy you nor forget the covenant with your fathers. He is compassionate. He will not fail. He will remember 
and he will not forget. To you it was shown the might of the Lord, his strength. Therefore know today and take it to your heart that the Lord your God is one. He is the only one, there is no other. He wanted the people to know him, to love him, to keep your soul diligently lest you forget. He wanted the people to be remembering this, that he had brought them through miracles and plagues. He had opened the Red Sea. He had set a cloud in the day to shade them and a fire at night. They had seen it with their own eyes. And they were to tell of the things that they had seen to their children, that they would all remember who it is that they are to fear, that they are to be in reverence and awe of. That is you and me too, ladies, as we live in this day when everyone wants to do what is right in their own eyes. That we might know, that we might know that he is the only Lord. That we might know that he is the God of heaven and earth. I love this verse of um, Deuteronomy 5.29. And he said, oh, this is the Lord's compassion and love for you. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it may be well with them. It is for our good. And yet sometimes we say, Lord, are your ways really the best ways? like, it is for your good. My heart is for your good. Can you hear that for him, from him for you ladies? When we talk, when we sit, when we lie down and rise up, that's what these verses are saying. Bind the words on your hand. Keep them on your forehead. What does that mean? Keep it in front of you all the time. All the time, in all ways, remember who it is that we are serving. And when your children ask you, when your friends need a word of encouragement and they come to you, we remind each other, we come alongside. It is God who walks with us, our compassionate God, our all-powerful God. Let us not stray from him, let us not drift. He's our anchor. Be diligent as we get to know him. Because we want to know him and love him and obey him and be more like Jesus, even when we experience famine in our lives. Famine, extreme scarcity, great shortage. Extreme scarcity, Great shortage. I personally have not had to endure like a famine of food ever. I don't know what that would be like. But here's what I think happens in a famine when there's nothing left. We're down to the bare bones. It creates a great want. It creates great need. It strips us down to our soul. 
It shows what's in our heart. When there is great shortage, extreme scarcity. When I think of Elimelech and Naomi, this famine, this great shortage and scarcity drove them to do something extreme. Drove them to extreme measures. Now, I don't know that, oh, I mean, in a room this size, I don't know, maybe some people have, have experienced that, but I wonder if we experience famine, extreme scarcity, and great shortage in different ways in our lives. Maybe money, love, lack of appreciation, feeling accepted, contentment, how that, maybe that, it's just extremely scarce in our day-to-day -day walk. In those times of famine, when we feel so empty and we cannot see where anything will come from to fill us up, it can drive us to extreme, to take extreme measures. Where will we go to get this fill up? What will fill us back up? Hopelessness is a scary, lonely feeling. Let's be careful in those times of famine in our life, that we don't let things move us from the fire to the frying pan. Here, in these famine times, it's so important that we know, that we know where do we go for our life? Where do we go for a fountain of living water? Where do we go for our refuge? When we are so dry and parched that we can't even speak, we need the fountain of living water. I think that, ladies, in the, in the times in which we live, we all know that there will be times of famine in our life. Are we laying the foundation of who we know? Are we getting to know God that we may love him more so that when those times hit, and it may shake us, I'm thinking it will. Even as prepared as we could be, those times rock our world because we're human. And if we think we're going to be above shock and great grief and panic over not having enough in one area or another, we're kidding ourselves. 
but we know where to go. We know where to run. We've had that. We have gotten our roots deep, ground, ground so far into who God is that even though we shake up here, our roots are firm in what we know to be true about our great God. I'm a, I'm a reader. I love to read. And I started this book called Byzantium by Stephen Lawhead. Now, it's kind of one of those books that like has um, dragons and that fake people, you know, just, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what to call them, but you know, they're not real and that's really not my genre. So I started the book and I, I never finished it. But I did get this great quote from it that I just love and that I have been turning over in my mind for like 15 years. And it's, do not lose hold in the darkness what you knew to be true in the light. Do not lose hold in the darkness what you knew to be true in the light. And these were the words of a senior wizard talking to a, a young guy who was going to go out on his mission to slay the dragons. And, and he was telling him this, you're going to have a lot of darkness, but don't lose hold in the darkness what you knew to be true in the light. Ladies, as those famine times come in our life, maybe they're very dark. Don't lose hold what you knew to be true in the light. Don't lose hold what you know to be true about your great God. As we go forward, where do we get our help? Where does our help come from? Where will we go? Psalm 121. I will lift my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall come my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Takes us right back to our great God, how big he is. We're reminded that he made heaven and earth. That encompasses a lot, ladies. All-powerful, all-knowing. This is who we are digging our roots into. We are sinking our roots into this. This is our great God. He is my help. He who keeps you will not slumber. He does not sleep. He doesn't nod off. Oh my gosh, what was going on in her life? He has, no, that is not him. He is awake and alert. He who keeps Israel, he keeps you. The Lord is your keeper. He is your shade. He will protect you and he will keep your soul. Ladies, this is our great, this is our great anchor, is that when we are in Christ, our soul is safe in him, and God is the keeper of our soul. He is true and faithful from this time forth and forever, the end of that verse says. Psalm 121. As we are seeking to know and love and obey God and become more like Christ, sometimes we will sojourn, sojourn, staying in a place as a traveler or guest, a temporary stay. That's what the intent is. Do I have any um, sojourners or those who have moved maybe? 
any time in your whole life, maybe you've moved, Lorene shared today. There she is, the queen sojourn, the queen of sojourns. If you are new to the Fox Valley, welcome, we're so glad you're here. Come up and say hi to me so I could give you a little hug afterwards, I would just love to. Kevin and I and our four children moved here uh, about 19 years ago now from Southern California. And um, we were not sojourning, we weren't intending that, we were gonna come and stay. Quite, uh, it's quite a move for Elimelech and Naomi. They experience a great famine that, that has them take extreme measure and they move their whole family away, away from everyone they knew, away from people who worshiped and thought and lived as they did. It's a lonely time to move, wouldn't you say? I remember when we were here, we had been here about three weeks, and my youngest, Cade, um, he was turning three, and he, he'll be 21 next month, actually. And he was just darling with his curly hair, and he was so cute, and we decided to go to Chuck E. Cheese for his birthday, just our family, because we knew no one, absolutely no one, not a soul. So we go, and, and we're celebrating, and all of a sudden, I'm in this booth, and we have a little cake there waiting for him, and I just start bawling. I just start crying. I couldn't even stop in Chuck E. Cheese of all places. It's a hap one of the happiest places on earth, isn't it? I don't know, apparently not. No. Because I was just, <laughs> knowing moms say, no, it is not. I was so overwhelmed with how alone we were. There was no one to celebrate my boy. No one to rejoice with us. No one who knew us. If I died on the street walking outside, no one would know who I was. They would walk by, who is that lady? I don't know. <laughs> I was just sobbing. Leaving all that you know is hard. Sojourning, going to a different place. Lonely business, friends. And at that point, we hadn't yet found a body of believers to worship with. Some people who were like-minded. And I didn't like some of the things that my friends had said when some of them said, you know, it's gonna take about three years for you to feel like you're really, that it's starting to become home. And I was like, three years? I don't have three years, not me. I'm just gonna jump in and when we get the kids in school and we find a church, we had people over to our house all the time. I thought, no, I'm finding some friends by golly. And I remember after a year sitting down and I was exhausted and I thought, we still don't have any close friends. We knew people, but we didn't have the heart friends that we had developed. Do you all know what I'm talking about? It's a lonely place, this sojourning. 
Sometimes we do it ourselves, sometimes life brings it upon us, but what do we do in this place of sojourning, of traveling, of being a guest somewhere else? One of the verses that we studied was Romans 5, 1 to 5. And as I saw it in our study, I was just, oh my gosh, this is the verse. These are the verses that I claimed during those days when I would cry that we had no friends. These were the ones. Because it reminded me that there was hope for my soul. It reminded me of what I wanted to stay firm in. Even in the moving around, I don't know. We, don't, we aren't told what Elimelech and Naomi did if they still raised their children up in, in the things of the Lord. Or maybe, I mean, when you go to a new place, nobody knows you, right? You could reinvent yourself. You could be whoever you want to be. All the stuff that you brought with you, you can decide. Are we going to do this? I don't know. Are we going to still go to church? I don't know. No one would know. And I don't know what they choose to, chose to do with their family. But in this place of moving somewhere else, maybe it's a new chapter in your life. We want to hold fast to what we know to be true, ladies. And this is just what I want to end on in sharing with you these verses from Romans because I want us to know what the hope is that we have. Because in knowing that and who God is, it gives us something firm to hold on to. Chapter 5 says, therefore, having been justified by faith. Now, I know, I'm sorry, I'm skipping. Um, we studied verses 3 and 4 in our study this week. I would just want to give you a little bit of context. I want to give you some before and some after, because I want you to have the fullness of what it is. As Rhonda talked and told us that when we study the word, we want to do it in context, right? We want to know what's going on with the verses that are being said. So this is just a little bit of what I, want you, what I want us to know. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it, ladies. We have been justified. That means we were once in a place where we were not justified. We stood before God, not justified. But through Christ, we are now justified and we have peace with God. We have peace with God. This is Paul writing, and, it, and it's just going to get more like exciting and exciting as, he, as he's going through here. Because he said, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. And you're thinking, what in the world is that? He's just saying that through Christ now, we've been introduced to this great grace of God, this undeserved favor that you and I don't deserve. But we've been introduced to us and it's been given to us through Christ when we come to him. So now we're standing in this grace. We're not, we're not condemned. We're standing in this grace, firm and secure because of Christ who has given us peace with God. 
and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Exult, rejoice a lot, a lot of rejoicing. We are so happy because this hope means that we will be in the presence of God, in his glory. That's what's to come. That's our hope in heaven. Christ, we, we, we are forgiven. We stand justified. We have peace with God, and we get all the ton of his grace. And we have heaven that's coming. Paul is just so excited. We're exalting. We're so rejoicing over this. And then he says, these are the verses we studied, and not only that, you say, there's more? Can there be? How good is our great God? Not only that, we exalt or rejoice in our tribulations. Keep going. The next word, knowing. We rejoice in our tribulations because we know. We know what? What do we know? How, what would we know that could possibly have us rejoice in our tribulations? Well, we know that true tribulations bring forth perseverance. That means that going through those, those help us to, to strengthen that muscle of persevering, to continue on, to walk in the way that God would have us walk. We get stronger in that. We persevere. We keep going. And then perseverance brings, back, pr brings proven character. Proven character. Not just words. This is not just sitting here saying, I believe in God. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to pray. Those are great. But what about when the rubber meets the road? And we have our tribulations. And we come through clinging to what we knew to be true in the light, even though it gets dark, right? Proven character. And proven character gives hope. It gives hope to you as the sojourner. It gives hope to those around you as they see God getting the glory, as they see who you are turning to, their confidence gets stronger because the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. Remember? That's the hope for you and for those around us. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within us through the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the Lord of God, the love of God has been poured out in us. Remember the buckets with that thing that people were doing and dumping big buckets on their heads and it was, you're supposed to post it online? That's God pouring his love through his spirit into your heart. It's in us. It's to overflow out of us. And at this point, we should just be slayed with how great our God is. Ladies, as we live in our time, as we experience famine in our life, as we sojourn through this life, let us remember the hope that we have, that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. May we cling to that, always keeping him in front of us, being the one that we return to over and over as, the, as our hope, as our anchor for our soul. So I encourage you this week as you study to know God more, 
Let that knowledge just make you love him and obey him and become more like Christ. And I pray that you will exalt, that you will rejoice greatly over this great God who will never leave you and who loves you and who is the keeper of your soul. Dear Lord, let us hold on to these truths. In Christ's name, amen.